Hey everyone, welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place to explore faith in Jesus. And today, I want to convince you that prayer isn't just you talking to yourself. Hey guys, my name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church in beautiful Powell River, British Columbia. And actually, at the time of this recording, I've just heard the news that Queen Elizabeth II has passed away. And so I feel it's appropriate, considering we're going to be talking about prayer today, that we just take a moment, first and foremost, to pray for her family as they grieve this loss, but also uh, a nation as they grieve, as well as those around the world as they grieve as well. And so let's just take a moment to lift up this family, this nation in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you set in place rulers and authorities in this world. Lord, you are sovereign over all of it. And so, Lord God, this season of history and life where Queen Elizabeth II was placed in a position of authority and influence. Lord, we thank you for the way in which she uh, walked that out. Um, no one is perfect in this world. We acknowledge that. And so, Lord, we just, we just pray blessing over this family as they transition, as they grieve and mourn this loss. Lord, would your peace and comfort be with them. We pray for this nation, Lord, that you be with them as well. And all the complexities and the logistics and everything that needs to happen now. Lord, we just pray that that would just happen smoothly and quickly. And that, Lord, uh, her life would be honored. And God, we just, uh, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said, no one's perfect. No ruler other than Christ will be perfect, but we do give honor where honor is due. And so, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was some pre pretty big news that hit um, today at the time of this recording, just, just about an hour ago. Um, so let's get into it. Prayer. Prayer. The act of faith in engaging conversation with God. The act of faith in engaging conversation with God. Is it too good to be true? Is it just you talking to yourself? Or is it so much more than that? Sometimes it can feel that way. Sometimes prayer can feel like they, they, your prayers just hit the ceiling and, and, and don't escape to anywhere. Um, but I want to convince you today that there is a God who hears and listens to your prayers. Not just, not just uh, humanity's prayers in general, but you, you specifically, watching right now, as you pray, as you take that step of faith, engage in conversation with God, He hears you. I want to convince you of that today. I want to talk about what prayer is, but also why should we pray. So if you're writing this down, we're in a series called The Values That Shape Us. And these are our value statements here at Evangel Church. And this is our value statement around prayer. We begin with amen, surrounding all we do with prayer. We begin with amen, surrounding all we do with prayer. So let's explore why this is a key element, a key value for us here at Evangel Church. But not just at Evangel Church. This should be a key value 
for each of us individually, in our families, and in our communities. Now, before we get too ahead of ourselves, we need to define what we mean by prayer. Now, the Lexham Theological Wordbook, it defines prayer this way. Prayer is intentional communication with God and can be spoken or written. It is often petitionary, or in other words, an appeal or request in nature, though it may take many other forms as well. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament assume that God hears and responds to the prayers of his people. I want you to consider that last line there. <laughs> That's so profound. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament assume that God hears and responds to the prayers of his people. Well, when you begin to study prayer through the ancient world, there were some very interesting kind of contrasts to the prayer record, records. Uh, the Lexham Bible Dictionary makes this distinction when looking at the prayers of the ancient world. It, it says, another notable difference between Israelite prayers and those of other ancient Near Eastern cultures is that while Israel's neighbors praise their gods for their attributes and character, the Israelites, though they did do that too, but in addition to that, the Israelites praised Yahweh for his involvement in human history. They praised him for his involvement in human history. There's always been this sense and knowing that the God of the Bible hears and answers prayers. That he's been involved and is involved in the course of human history and even into our present day. And this is the why behind prayer. This should be the impetus, the catalyst that, that pushes us forward into being those who pray. We serve a creator God who sees fit not to be at arm's length from his creation, but rather is involved in the course of human history. Now we take that into the New Testament. Jesus, the Son of God, reveals that he's not just involved in human history, but he's involved in the human heart. There's this deep personal element to prayer. As you read the progression of the biblical narrative, you, you come to this beautiful kind of conclusion. The creator of the universe both desires and has made a way for you to have relationship and dialogue with him. This is so profound. Prayer is the medium of relationship with our creator. We begin with amen, surrounding we all we do with prayer. Why? Because everything worthwhile, lasting, and eternal that we can build in this world starts with prayer. Prayer is the foundation. Prayer is the realm of faith. Speaking what is not as though it were, and that is the foundation on which we build the kingdom in this world. Today, I want to give you six reasons that become a catalyst, become a, a propulsion, a motivation to be those who pray. The first, and first and foremost, this is the most important. You pray so you can know his presence. If you're taking notes, write this down. You pray so you can know his presence. 
Prayer is the medium of relationship. When we pray, we are acknowledging his presence with us. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21 says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, to know the, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. For this reason, I bow my knees. For this reason, I pray because of who he is, but also because he's going to ground me and root me and, and, and change me and uh, allow me to operate in capacities of love and grace towards this world, the fullness of God, filled with the fullness of God. This passage has been so abused uh, throughout previous times in the, in the life of the church. It's kind of a go-to at times to propagate like an, uh, a prosperity gospel, particularly uh, verse um, 20. Um, but I want you to notice what precedes verse 20 here. This isn't about the outward stuff. It's Paul's prayer for the church that they would abundantly know the love and the presence of the Spirit. These are the riches. These are, this is the abundance that he's talking about. Not stuff in this world. He's talking about this deep sense and intimacy and growing relationship, knowing the Spirit. And those moments happen when we bend our knee in prayer. Prayer is the medium of relationship. This is why Paul says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. Because he's seeking intimacy with the Spirit within him. Why? Because prayer in the Spirit, it's about being built up by the work and the presence of God in your life. We begin with amen, surrounding all we do with prayer. Number one, so we can know him. We pray so we can know him intimately. Number two, we pray so we can live as overcomers in this world. So we can live as overcomers. Luke 22, 40 to 46. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus, he both admonishes here, but he also models the power of prayer when it comes to overcoming temptations in this world. Jesus is tempted. He's tempted. If you can even say that, we don't fully understand the, the mystery around Christ's deity in this world. But he was tempted to want this cup to pass from him. He was tempted to say no 
to this idea of going to the cross and sacrificing himself for humanity. And yet, even in his humanity, that temptation came and he brought it to the Father in prayer. And in a culture of feelings, you know, where we're so often moved by our feelings and our emotions and our desire for comfort, this becomes so profound because we're reminded of one of the most powerful prayers ever prayed. Father, I don't feel like doing this, but not my will, not my feelings, not my emotions, but yours be done. I don't know about you, but my comfort and my feelings often dictate my behavior. Are, are you like that? Or your comfort and your feelings often dictate how you behave in this world. In fact, I often find myself uh, doing or not doing the, the things that I should because of my feelings or how I feel in the moment. And Paul, you know, Paul voices this tension as he kind of talks about his own humanity. He says in, uh, in Romans 7, 18 and 19, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. And finally, later, he says, what a wretched man that I am. Like we're living this tension. But here's how we overcome the temptation. We become people of prayer. People who are in the presence of God. Intimacy with God means shifting our perspective. And not only that, but being empowered to do what we should in spite of how we feel. Prayer becomes the medium of conversation and intimacy with God that lays a foundation to allow us to have faith to step into what may be uncomfortable in this world, to overcome temptation, to overcome the desires of our flesh. We begin with amen, surrounding all we do with prayer. And third reason that we pray is determining God's will. Determining God's will. I want to be very careful with this one. Because I've seen this so abused in the church. And, and I just need, I feel like I need to say this before we even move on from here into determining God's will for your life through prayer. When, when it comes to finding God's will for most of our lives, it can be found in the Word of God. When it, I'm going to say that again. When it comes to discovering and finding God's will for your life, most of that is going to be found in the Word of God. So, so before we get into this, the will of God thing through prayer, we need to bring that kind of clarity. So often finding the will of God, it's not about hearing some exclusive revelation from the voice of God in your prayer life. Though that can happen, I'm not negating that. Those moments are rare for the most part in general. However, most of what we hear from the voice of God is found in Scripture. And this is why your prayer life needs to be informed by the Word of God. This is why prayer is not one thing and, and the Word of God another thing. They work in unity together. The Spirit uses both to speak to our hearts and to our lives. So we need to connect those two things. Your prayer life and your time in the Word need to be connected and interconnected, interwoven in your expression of the spiritual disciplines of life. With that said, there are still those moments and seasons of life where the Spirit will lead and guide you and direct you in very specific and direct ways. 
And we pray because following the will of God is about coming into alignment with his heart and his will. Do you remember the Lord's Prayer when the disciples asked, you know, teach us how to pray? What was the first thing? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? A position of this is who you are and this is who I am. We, we get that position out of the way. But then what comes next? Your will be done. Not my will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so prayer becomes this place of shifting our perspective. What is God's will? What is God's will for my life, for my family, for my church, for my community? What does that look like? Now, and I want to say this. Peace isn't always a great indicator that you have discovered God's will and direction for your life. I want to caveat that at least not at first. At least not always at first. I, I had a moment of clarity in my life before we came to Powell River. I was over at the, Com Com Lisa and I were over at the Comox Ferry and we were coming over for the very first time. Never been before. And in that moment, just a bunch of circumstances were going on around us. And it was kind of making us super nervous about what this Powell River place was like. Um, but in that moment, I kind of knew in my heart and in my soul that God just like confirmed to me there that this was going to be the next season of our lives. And I want to tell you, uh, the first instinct was not peace. If I was waiting for peace to confirm it in that moment, peace was not the first instinct. It was actually the exact opposite. It was angst and tension and fear and doubt and all of those adjectives that were kind of speaking to my expression of faith in that moment. I was not happy about it in that moment. There's such a big unknown. There's so much faith that needed to happen to, to even comprehend that this was going to be the next season of our lives. And yet, that peace finally did come. It was down the road. Actually, when we docked and we drove off, it was like just driving into peace. We just kind of knew and we were settled in our spirit and we had just given that control over to God. But up until that moment, it wasn't peace. So here's the deal. It's in prayer that you can receive a clarity for your next steps. But this doesn't always involve peace in the moment. That peace will come as you journey it out and walk it out, but it might not. So if you're waiting for peace for it to be your exclusive confirmation that you heard from God, it might not be there. So just be careful with that. Because it often causes your flesh. Saying yes to Jesus often causes your flesh to rise up in a way that is not helpful because your flesh doesn't want to do it or go there or say no to that or say yes to that. And so we need to come with prayer and, and take those first few steps of submission to the Spirit in the direction that we feel He's calling us to. And the peace will come. The peace will come. Finally, number four, get kingdom work accomplished. We pray to get kingdom work accomplished. We say it all the time. Prayer is laying foundations on which the kingdom is built in this world. Prayer is laying the foundations, the foundations in the realms of faith, right? In which we then build the kingdom in partnership with the spirit in this world. Prayer is a prerequisite to doing anything of significance because it's in prayer that we align our hearts with the will of God. Right? That's the first key. If you're going to step out in faith, 
and do something crazy in this world for the sake of the kingdom, first, you need to know that it's the will of God for you in your life, your family, whatever, for that season. So it aligns us with the will of God. But second, it's in prayer that we grow in faith to see it before it can be seen. That's what faith is. Evidence, substance of things not seen as though they were, right? So in prayer, this is where we grow in faith to see before it's accomplished. And I don't fully understand the mystery of this. I, I really don't. The idea that, that God is partnering with us in prayer to build his kingdom. Um, he can do it apart from us. He can do it on his own. He's sovereign. He's all powerful. I don't understand. I don't understand the mystery of his involving us in accomplishing the building of his kingdom. But it's an awesome privilege to be a part of this thing in terms of building the kingdom of God in this world. But it starts with prayer. Getting kingdom work accomplished starts with prayer. John records Jesus' words in John 14, 12 to 13. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Notice the context here of verse 13 and 14. It's found in verse 12. Ask anything in my name. But, it, but in, the, in the context of wanting the life and the ways of Jesus revealed in this world for the sake of glorifying the Father and revealing Jesus to the world around us. Again, we pray in Jesus' name as we seek to glorify the Father in the Son, Jesus. And this becomes a great filter for us as we seek to determine what to pray for. Does it glorify God? Does it glorify the Son? And does it build the kingdom? These are great filters to ask as you have your prayer life. Does it glorify God? Does it glorify the Son? Does it build the kingdom? What a powerful thought that Jesus has promised us that he will show up in power as we make kingdom declarations over this world and the people in this world. What, what a powerful statement. What a powerful thing. Now, why don't we see this like we did in days gone by? Perhaps it's because we have stopped praying like those of days gone by. There's a place of preparation when it comes to renewal and revival. And that place is prayer. Number five reasons we pray. Spiritual warfare. We pray for spiritual warfare. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6 For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but we have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when the obedience is complete. The prayer of warfare, much like the prayers of God's will, are found primarily in the word of God. Notice Paul speaks of the lie that comes out against the knowledge of God. Warfare is about making every thought obedient to the will and the ways of Christ. And that starts with us. That starts with our own mind, our own soul. That starts within our own internal battle as we seek to submit our flesh to the ways of God. But listen, to not know the word 
is more than not having the weapons of the war. It's actually more like not even understanding the battlefield at all. Uh, when I was in high school, I had this kind of horrible, embarrassing moment in the heat of the game, playing basketball. I stole the ball, center court, lost my objectivity in terms of where I was going, what was happening, got caught up in the moment, went, beautiful layup. Unfortunately though, I scored on the wrong basket. I got turned around and I scored for the enemy. So often, we are travailing in prayers of the flesh, not realizing that we're scoring in a lot of ways for the other team because we don't know the word of God. Knowing God's word is, is to know what the wind looks like, to know what the battlefield looks like. Knowing God's word gives us clarity about the places of warfare. Knowing God's word gives us authority when we declare it in Jesus' name because it's exactly what Christ has said or exactly what the apostles have spoken. And so we don't have to play guessing games in the spirit. We go to the word of God. The outcome of warfare prayer isn't necessarily happiness. It isn't even our, our preconceived idea of, of what should happen or how God should move. The victorious outcome of warfare prayer is a life submitted to obedience in Christ. This is the outcome we're looking for. That's the win as we begin to pray, whether for ourselves or for others. A life submitted in obedience to Christ. Number six, we pray because it's the first steps of renewal. It's the first steps of renewal. J. Edwin Orr once said that every revival in history could be traced to find at its source a group of people gathered for prayer. I want to read that again. Every revival in history could be traced to find at its source a group of people gathered for prayer. I want to remind you that this all starts all the way back, right? This idea all the way through history of the church. This starts at the first day of Pentecost. What, what was going on? There was a group of people gathered for prayer in the upper room. We talk a lot about revival coming to the church. And instead, I believe through prayer, the church comes to realize that the revival and renewal of the spirit has not gone anywhere. We're not waiting for him. He's in a lot of ways waiting for us. Prayer is the first steps of renewal. Really, this list kind of brings us full circle. This heart for renewal brings us back to the realization that, that renewal and revival are nothing more than the Christian becoming hungry for his presence once again and coming in alignment with his will and submitting ourselves in obedience to his word. And these all happen in the context of prayer. The greatest revivals and renewals this world has ever seen are those that were birthed in the quiet places of prayer. Those who are determined in their hearts to know deeply their creator, who submitted their will by the grace of God to pick up the mantle of his calling on their lives. Prayer is the prerequisite to renewal, both for the individual and for the church. We won't see renewal until we see a resurgence and a desperation in prayer. We begin with amen, surrounding all we do with prayer. So prayer, why do we pray? We pray because it's that step of faith having conversation with God at his very core. It's a step of faith engaging conversation with God, your creator. 
But why do we pray? What, what reasons do we have to pray? Well, we pray so we can know his presence. So we can know his presence. We pray so we can live as overcomers. To say no to temptation and walk in the ways and the will of God for our lives. We pray so we can determine God's will. We pray so we can get kingdom work accomplished because prayer is the foundation of building anything worthwhile for the kingdom in this world. We pray because we're called to be spiritual warriors. We pray because this is the realm and the place of spiritual warfare. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against spirits and principalities in this world. And we've been given authority in Jesus' name to do that. And then finally, we pray because it's the first steps of renewal and revival. Revival and renewal is always birthed out of the quiet places of prayer, whether it's individuals or just even small remnant groups that begin to pray and desperately seek the face of Jesus. We begin with amen, surrounding all we do with 